Welcome to episode 5 of Australian Hiker. I'm your host Tim Savage. And I'm Jill Savage. first hiker you're going to hear from is Peter from Perth in Western Australia and his, he and his hiking partner Andy have been uh, hiking for quite a few years so they're fairly experienced. In fact Andy who's hiking with Peter has actually done this trip for going the way that we're going. They've arrived at Red Bank Gorge uh, earlier today and they've just got Mount Sonder left to do tomorrow to finish off their trip. It's the um, 1st of August, first night here at Mount Sonder. Um, just doing, um, came across like a couple of guys uh, from Perth and Tasmania. Oh, just Perth. Just Perth. Uh, and they've been kind enough, uh, one of the guys has been kind enough to have a bit of a chat about uh, their trip. So I'll just go, just get uh, uh, an introduction and then I'll ask a few questions to see how we go. How you doing? My name's Peter. I'm from Perth. I'm 53 years old and I've been hiking for probably as long as I can remember. <laughs> and, I, and I believe you've, you've gone through and just done the, the entire uh, Larapinta Trail? Yeah, we started the Larapinta Trail two weeks ago tomorrow. So we've been walking effectively now for 13 days and we'll do Mount Sonda tomorrow and that's 14 days. And how have you found the trip? I mean, what's, uh, what's, what's been your overall impression? What's been your low, low point and what's been your high point of the trip? Look, it's, it's harder than you think it's going to be. It's harder than it looks on paper, but uh, it's an incredibly rewarding hike for sure. You know, um, it's rocky underfoot and it's really taxing on your gear. The low point would definitely be having a pair of $325 hiking boots flog out on day five and uh, having to go back into Alice Springs to get a new pair of boots, which are now referred to as the $1,250 scarpers. Um, high points, look, yeah, a lot of, lot of really nice scenery. Met a lot of really nice people too, but uh, um, the high points on Brinkley Bluff, uh, the high points on... Day three when we took the high route, just the majestic views that go on forever as far as the eye can see. It's just incredible. Um, even for somebody from Western Australia who's familiar with this sort of terrain, the northwest, you know, we see it. For people from the eastern seaboard especially who never see terrain like this until they get here, it's just breathtaking. I must admit, we, we've been up here before and done some short day stuff around the place, but certainly, you know, we, we wanted to get the full experience and see what it's like. We'd, we'd certainly read the websites and talked to a number of people that, that had said it had been a really amazing trip, so it sounds like from your experience that's that's the way it's been. Oh, for sure, yeah. Um, now, in relation to food drops, you mentioned that you'd gone through and done food, three food drops along the way? Yeah, we, we paid through one of the companies and got got uh, three food drops, one done at Stanley and one at Ellery and one at Ormiston. So that means that you really only have to carry at the most about three and a half days of food, which makes it really manageable, you know, it keeps your pack weight right down. Um, 
yeah, and gives you little treats along the way when you when you get the food drops, and gives you a chance to drop in, you know, washing powder and soap and all that sort of stuff, so you can get everything cleaned up at um, each, each food drop, and it's you know it's almost civilized when you start back on track again. It's like a, it's like a series of three or four day hikes. And have you have you found the weather for the over the duration of the trip? Yeah, look, the weather's been warm to hot. Um, you know, it, it cycled a couple of times. We started off, it was 22, 23 degree days. We've had 30 degree days, um, back down to 18 degree days and back up to 13 degree days, you know, over, over this sort of period of time up here, the weather will swing. And, uh, yeah, we've had some quite warm days and uh, yesterday was, you know, long... 29 degree day it's um, quite taxing sometimes especially with some of the climbs you do you know you do fairly solid climbs a few of the days if you get one of those on a hot day you're going to know all about it now you guys have just uh, just finishing a trip off so you've started at Alice Springs and you're finishing here at Mount Sonda what was your reason for doing Alice Springs to Sonda rather than the other way around Andy had already done Sonda to Alice Springs so we just decided we'd do it the other way around this time because it's my first trip and Andy's Andy's second time around it was that easy and, and how did he how did he feel that the, the difference was did he think it was any better or any different at all or uh, I think the general consensus is that it's better Sonda to Alice than Alice to Sonda um, just the way the walks work and the track works you get some steeper climbs going the way you're going, the way back to Alice, and shallower descents. You still do the height, but uh, the climbs are definitely a bit steeper, but the descents are a bit softer. Um, yeah, and just the spacing of the days seems to work out work out better going this way. You seem to do a lot of lot more work, a lot more of your work in the morning going from Sonda to Alice, whereas coming from Alice to Sonda you seem to do a bit more work in the afternoons when you're I'm tired. Yeah, you don't want to don't want to be doing it as much. It's uh, I must admit I find that quite interesting because the walk was actually designed to go from Alice to Sonda. Uh, and yeah, but uh, then the walk was designed <laughs> to do over 18, 19 days as yeah. well. And, you know, probably if we did every camp along the way, it might have been a bit different. But we did skip a number of camps and you know had a couple of big days and I think you were saying you've done it you're doing the trip in 11 days we've got here 11 days walking yeah yeah okay yeah all right anything else you you think it's worthwhile mentioning at all oh look just get out and get get out and do it you know it's just it is a truly great walk you know it's it's something totally different to what you'll see in the eastern seaboard it's something totally different to what you'll see in Tassie it's something totally different to what we've got in Perth and Bibbulmun tracks and that. You know, it is a fairly unique sort of walk and well worth doing. OK, thanks very much. No worries. It was interesting to hear Peter's story on the issue that he had with his boots. The Lara Pinter Trail has a reputation for destroying hiking footwear and it's probably a salient story that if you're going to hike the trail, make sure that whatever footwear you're going to wear is in good condition and it will cope with the hard conditions that it's going to be put under. The second interview you're going to hear is with Steve from Toowoomba in Queensland. Steve's a ranger, so he's used to being outdoors and used to travelling around with a pack. Uh, but it's interesting to hear what he has to say about his experiences on the trail. 
Uh, I'm here this morning with Steve. Uh, Steve's been kind enough to have a bit of a, a chat to us about his experience on the trail so far. Um, and um, I'll pass you over to Steve and um, uh, we'll see how what he thinks of the Lara Pinta Trail. So, so Steve, you want to tell us a bit about yourself, what your name, your age, yeah, and where you're morning, from? Tim. Yeah. Um, so my name's Steve Long, and uh, I'm originally from Toowoomba. Uh, I live in Toowoomba at the moment. Um, 38 years of age, and um, I came to Larapinta because it's um, one of those um, trails that I've always wanted to get to. And um, I used to work out at Kings Canyon many years ago, probably about 15 years ago. And um, yeah, it was just something that um, has always been sort of niggling. Um, a niggling point of interest to go to I guess and um, I thought I had the time could get the holidays so um, I came out here and gave it a shot and, and you, now you're going from Mount Sonder back to Alice Springs which is west to east why, why did you choose to do it that way well purely just I chose to go um, west to east based on the fact that I'm traveling solo um, and my sort of theory was too well I was deciding on whether to get a sat phone. Uh, I went with a PLB and a um, GPS anyway. But um, because I was travelling solo, I thought, well, if I start from west and work my way back to Alice Springs, at least then essentially, if anything was to go wrong, then I'm getting closer to amenities. I'd be going through Ormiston like we are now and then also down through Stanley, whereas if I was to come from Alice, I'd be going further away. So in the event of um, an emergency, I may not sort of uh, be in a, in, a, in a good predicament. But um, the other thing was too that... Um, you know, the other good thing behind it is that um, you see it from a different perspective to what other people see it. Um, and doing it in reverse, not, al not always a good thing <laughs> when it comes to going up hills directly straight up them as opposed to gradually down, uh, gradually down them as you would do uh, from the other direction. But, um, yeah, it's nice to have the sun behind your back after midday and be walking with the sun behind you as opposed to right, right in front of your face for the last four hours of the afternoon. So. I must admit, we had, we had the same sort of thought. I mean, my, my knees sort of play up a bit and... I'm, I can go uphill all day, downhill, it, it tends to kill my knees, so yeah. I'm quite happy to do the steeper inclines and have a have the, the less steep de uh, declines when it happens. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's, you know, it's one of those tracks that um, I've only been going for a couple of days, but you can really see how rugged it, you know, it really is. Everything that they talk about in the magazines and, and anything that you, you know, read about um, online before you come to a place like this, it's, um, it's, it's very accurate in their information that they, that they give you, but... Yeah, nothing is uh, quite as real as when you're actually carrying a 20-plus kilo pack and you're walking down the side of a hill or walking up the side of a hill. And, um, you know, just how much you need to take into consideration about your health and safety and watching your knees, watching your ankles, watching for trips and all those sorts of things. So. And what, um, when you went through and prepared for the trip, what sort of preparation did you do? Did you do? Oh, so about four months out, um, I uh, started... Uh, I went down, <laughs> went down to Coles of all places, got myself one of those big water jugs that you know weigh about 15 kilos or 15 litres so equate to roughly about 15 kilos I guess and I'd throw that in my backpack and um, I'd start hiking around the around the hills of Toowoomba so sort of um, places that we got as uh, places like Tabletop Mountain it's quite rocky and shaly very similar to a lot of the terrain that we go around uh, up, up and down the hills here along the zigzags and um, yeah so I'd, I'd walk um, Mount Warning, uh, Lamington National Park, um, the Great Walk uh, Carnarvon Gorge, I did that probably about a year and a half ago, but that sort of terrain and sort of the, in that sort of area west of Toowoomba, um, so pretty much any, anything with hills, so pretty much everything local to my area because I'm surrounded by hills where I live, so um, just did heaps of hill training, went to the gym, did a whole different cross training, yoga classes, just to improve flexibility with strength, with power, 
you know, those sorts of things that will, you know, greatly improve your um, chances of getting through with injury free, so to speak. Do you do much walking otherwise, or is this, this your first really big walk? Or? This is definitely the first big walk um, over five days. The, the biggest was the Carnarvon Great Walk that I did with a few friends uh, about two years ago now. But um, yeah, by far, this will be, uh, well, even as it, as it stands, this will be um, the biggest that I've done so far, even to Ellery Creek. Um, so. I'm looking forward to potentially getting further if I can. Now, originally you were telling me last night that you were planning on going through to Ellery Creek and stopping there. You, this morning you're saying you may have changed your mind on that? Yeah, I think I uh, <laughs> I woke up um, pretty early this morning. I, I don't know, just a whole flurry of different things floating through my head there this morning when I woke up from about 2.30, 3 o'clock this morning. And I thought, look, you know, really, um, you know, I started writing down on a notepad actually in my tent. Um, you know possibilities of how I could extend my stay and, and make the track longer because you know since the very first day when I was out of Red Bank Gorge I've been running into people non-stop you know people have done the, the whole entire track from Alice to to Sonda within um, 18 days 14 days 15 days you know and I think the more people I've been running into that have done the whole track and uh, most of the people I've met um, have been solo up until Ormiston here where I've met quite a few couples and um, people who are doing it as groups and I guess um, it it's sort of um, starting to really uh, bear down on me the, the true fact that I may not actually get back here for a few more years, um, if if ever. I mean, it's been 15 years since I was in the area last time, so it potentially could be that um, time distance again. And I mean, I don't think I'm going to be as young and agile as I am now uh, to be able to punch out the kilometres that I've been doing uh, as well. So I thought... Um, if I can, if the stars align today, this morning, when I jump on the phone and make a few phone calls back home and see if I can rearrange some flights and and um, and if my boss is kind enough to give me some time, extra time off work, a couple of extra days, then I'm going to extend and try and walk the whole entire distance. Yeah. Have you, what, what was the decision like when you decided to do it solo? Was there, did you look at it, uh, doing it with a friend or with another, uh, with a mate at all at some stage? Or yeah, well, um, actually. Uh, I did ask quite a few friends um, back home in Toowoomba, and um, oh, look, you know they've got a mixture of families and you know work commitments, and not everyone could get the same time off as me. And it was really sort of a, a bit of a the actual decision to come to Larapinta had been thought about for the last few years, but I basically just got to a point where I got tired of procrastinating about it, and I was already training because I enjoy doing hiking and that anyway, and multi-day hikes and camping out. And I thought, look, you know, it's now or never, and literally went down to Flight Centre one day and um, booked the flights and, and then that's how I um, decided to get here. Okay. Yeah. <coughs> now as far as gear, I mean you, if you've, you've done um, shorter trips in the past, how did you work out what gear you were likely to need for, for a, a, a 10 to 15 day sort of trip? Yeah, well I, I think um, the website that I got onto uh, initially, I um, you know, was able to get some ideas about what people were taking on, on these sorts of extended trips. But then based on my own experience on what I've done previously as well, I, even though it was only a short distance over five days, or four nights, five days, um, you know, I guess, and just, um, you know, conversation with other people as well, and I'd jump onto different websites or um, I'd uh, speak to different people who've done bigger walks, much bigger than me, and I'd just get a rough idea. But generally it was just um, went by... Um, sort of you know went by experience based on the fact of boots and you know what you know warm weather gear there's really no difference in in the sense of equipment and gear you know other than maybe a few more items of of each um uh, what, what do you call it each element i suppose so like cold you want to prepare for the cold you want to prepare for the heat you want to prepare for 
uh, or the other in, the other aspect as well as like your injuries. So I, I brought a fairly comprehensive um, remote first aid kit. You know, I went and bought new shoes because I knew it was going to be you know rugged terrain. It was going to you know smash the other boots apart that I that I had it already. And um, yeah, I basically brought thermals just in the event because I, I do remember from even years ago being here that it does get very cold here at night time, and um, especially around the winter months. We're still essentially still in winter, I guess, not quite in spring yet. So yeah, and that um, yeah basically word of mouth, and that's what helped determine what to bring. Yeah, I suppose that raises two questions. I mean, if out of all the gear that you bought, is there anything you feel that it was probably a waste of time that you really didn't need or um yeah i think i might have been a bit overkill with uh, in regards to my um uh in regards to my first aid kit i guess um now i've been going along i probably you know i could have reduced that down in size um considerably but um yeah i think everything else was um simplified like many a times i laid everything out on the floor at home but then also at alice before i the night that I flew in, so last Saturday when I flew in on the, was it the 30th? And then, yeah, yeah, laid everything out on the floor and, and basically went through everything again and thought, do I really need that? Do I really need that? So essentially, the, I think the the biggest thing that I probably went overkill was the first aid kit and definitely probably the food. I um, I went, yeah. <laughs> I think everyone sort of thinks, oh my God, you know, I just want to take plenty of food, yeah, just in case, you know, just in case I come across someone who, uh, you know, needs that food, but probably secretly you're thinking to yourself, I just don't want to starve, you know. I, I and, must admit, uh, we, uh, we, uh, my food, we've worked out pretty well, but we've worked on the same amount of food for my wife yeah. uh, and she's, she's certainly having plenty left over, so... In that yeah. case, it's really hard. So when you're driving for two people, what do you actually try and need? Yeah, I can understand that because, I mean, like even for me too, I was trying to, my biggest dilemma was trying to figure out, well, how many calories a day am I actually going to consume on this hike? I mean, you know, based on my, my height, uh, about 185 centimetres, weight, I'm about probably 125, you know, plus I'm carrying a pack that originally was about 27 kilos um, that's fully loaded with water and food and everything else. <clears throat> but, um, yeah, and I, I couldn't quite find the equal equal balance i didn't know what was what i mean i know what i have back at home but just you know that's just sort of normal living everyday work five days a week and go in the gym things like that but here i sort of allowed for between five to five to six thousand calories a day but um i think i probably packed for about ten thousand calories a day you know so i had to uh greatly you know reduce my food and it only took the first day because the first hill I got up, I was like, that's it. I'm lightening this pack. And um, I'm making sure that when I get back to camp, I'm going to reduce these loads of um, food that I've got and just give it to someone. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how I do it. What about what about a piece of equipment you couldn't do without? What's, 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 what do you think is really critical that you, know, you, you, you absolutely couldn't do without? Oh, definitely having a good, having a good um, thermo rest. And prob- equally, probably a good thermo rest and a good sleeping bag, something that is good, a good temperate for whatever climate you're going to. But that roll mat at the end of the day is like heaven. Like it could be the, you know, however many inches your roll mat is thick, you know, it's not worth going out and getting a big um, blow up mattress or something like that you want to bring up. And, you know, it's got to be less fuss, quick and easy. The inflatable air mattresses are ways to go. Throw it down. Even the three-quarter is perfect for tall guys like you and I, Tim, because of the fact that essentially you only want from your lower back, like your glutes, to the top of your neck. You know, that's that's where you want to have a rest of a night time because that's where you're carrying that pack all day, and that's what you look forward to when you get... You know, I mean, you're looking forward to good food too, but, I mean, more essentially you want a good night's rest so you can get up and bounce back, especially when you're doing that long-term. You know, like we're doing, you know, 14, 15, in excess of, you know, 16 days hiking non-stop you're carrying that pack every day so yeah i'd definitely have to say your roll mat because it's like your mattress yeah
All right. Now, as far as the trail's concerned, we've only been into the trail a few days. In fact, Steve, Steve's actually a day ahead of us, so he's planning on heading out the day. Um, but it's only been a few days. What's, what's been the highlight of the trip so far and what's been the, the area you, you think well, wasn't so crash hot? I could probably, probably could have gone through that pretty quickly. Yeah, I think, um, <coughs> excuse me, yeah, having that, I started at Red Bank uh, on the first day. I got there on a Sunday, uh, last Sunday, the 31st. So I got on the 31st of July. So I got back, uh, got to, sorry, Mount, I got to Mount Sondale in the afternoon. I didn't get right to the top. It was a ridiculously hot day, about 28 degrees. Um, but anyway, um, my journey from Red Bank along to, uh, was at the Rocky Bar? I would, I would definitely say that was a nice stretch. It was a nice gradual sort of, um, uh, what do you say, gradient, just getting into the rhythm of things because it's all about finding that rhythm, you know. But um, as for the places that really stood out, would have to be, I'd, ha I'd say, Hilltop Lookout where I camped the first night. That was spectacular because I had a view very very timely of that bird <laughs> wasn't it yeah. um yeah so i had a, a fantastic view from hilltop lookout which looked straight back to the west looking sh straight up uh, mount sonder so i saw a magnificent sunset um monday afternoon but then also i camped on the eastern end of the lookout and got the um, tuesday morning sunrise so uh, that was definitely a highlight so far i mean um there's obviously a, a fair, fair way to go but there was there was definitely a highlight Fink River, um, I did stop in there, but it wasn't really one of those places where I thought, yeah, I want to stay there. It was, it was, it just had a, didn't really have a, a very homely feel to it. It, it, um, it was very cold in the actual shelter itself at the trailhead. I mean, whether it was, it was obviously a windy day as well, but it was freezing in there, and I was having lunch there, and um, I thought, look, if it's this cold, it's 11:30 in the morning. Imagine what it must be like at seven o'clock, eight o'clock, eleven o'clock at night, for example. So. I, I sort of bypassed it and, and carried on and, and came through at Ormiston. You know, so. yeah, I think we, we had the same view as well. We got there, apart from the fact we got there about the same time as you did, you know, around about the 11.30 in the day. We thought, oh, well, it's, it's too too short a day to finish. And uh, again, yeah. just, it did feel very cold and not particularly homely. So um, right. definitely glad we came through and, and pushed the extra miles or kilometres through to, uh, to Ormiston. Yeah, but Fink was definitely... Um, yeah, you know, it was definitely a beautiful spot. Like, I mean, when you come into Fink, it's so green and lush, and you know, like, I mean, they've had rain the last few months, but just seeing all the all the beautiful gums and that in the in the creek line, they're so they're, instead of being scattered further apart like they were in the woodlands area, you know, well, there's a lot of mulga and that out there, but closer to the water, you got the river red gums. But yeah, you know, they were so much more dense, and it was just so lush and green. It was it literally was like walking from the, the de uh, from the mountain ranges down in the woodlands and literally into you know, it felt like a wetland because it was so wet. There was so marshy, and um, you know, you got out the other side, and it was a big, open, dry riverbed of um, Fink River. But um, the water itself was beautiful, and I mean, if you're a bird lover, you know, it'd be the ideal place to actually go specifically to Fink and camp along along the sand near that near that water's edge, and and sort of get the the true experience. But from a hiker's perspective, and I was you know looking for a comfortable place to lay my head at night, um, I chose to um, to have lunch there and just take off. And to go back to Ormiston. All right, just as a, as a final thing, is there any recommendations or anything you'd like to say to people that are, that are thinking about doing the trail in the future? Yeah, my recommendation is make sure you train. <laughs> because even though I did training and I thought I was doing training, nothing prepares you for having the full weight of your pack plus the water, plus, you know, you're looking at the climatic changes as well. You know, you've got wind. You know, some of the wind can blow you off the top of a mountain that's that strong, you know, and, it's, and it really... It knocks you around, so you may think that you could be 
you know, fit before you come here. But I would say prepare as if you're climbing up the Himalayas, for example, you know, uh, because that's how it felt for me because I was, I consider myself to be quite fit and strong. But when I threw that pack on and hit the first hill, I really struggled, you know, because of, of everything combined. But, um, yeah, my advice is, um, yeah, just do your homework, do your research before you come. Definitely bring a good camera. You know, it doesn't have to be a massive camera, but just bring something with a, a really big um, SD card and, um, yeah, capture the moments, obviously, with your eyes, but then also capture them so you can take them home and throw them up on your wall at home. So. Okay, thanks very much for that, Steve. Much appreciated, yeah. and then enjoy the rest of your hike. We, You're we, welcome, might, Tim. we might see you further down the track. Yeah, thanks very much. I look forward to it. Thanks okay. very much. See you later. Now, there's two things I wanted to uh, pull out of that interview with Steve. The first was to do with the amount of birds you could hear in the background, and I think Ormiston Gorge was probably the, the best area for birds along the whole trail, and that was certainly the most noisy and the most active. I think they appreciated having the campers that came through there that provided a bit of extra food for them. The second thing was in relation to food. Now, Steve mentioned carrying or carrying about 10,000 calories of the food, but catering for that five to 6,000 calories a day. I know from my own personal experience that on a long hike, a hard hike, I'll consume anything up to around about 7,000 calories in a day. And that's a lot of food to carry. Um, thankfully, with Lara Penta Trail, you're only carrying four days worth of food at once. But it is something to consider about having calorie-dense food to try and minimise the weight that you're going to be carrying. The next interview we actually did on top of Brinkley Bluff, which was one of the highlights of the trip. The views were pretty amazing. Uh, the gentleman that, I'll, that you'll hear from next is from Holland, uh, who also had his brother with him as well. Um, so this is his experience on the trail. It's uh, 6.11 on the 10th of August, uh, day 10. Uh, we're sitting on top of um, uh, Brinkley Bluff, Brinkley Bluff uh, after a fairly long sort of climb. Uh, and there's a number of hikers up here. There's the three of us that are now travelling together as a group. Uh, and it looks like there's probably about another six or eight hikers scattered along the ridge, uh, taking advantage of some pretty spectacular views. Now, I've just um, had a chat to a couple of them, and there's some people that are willing to talk to us on tape. So I'll just introduce the first person, and we'll see how we go. Hi, my name is Jaap van Etten. I'm 32 years old. I'm from the Netherlands, but I live in Brisbane at the moment. Okay, and um, what made you decide to hike the Larapinta Trail? Uh, I, I love hiking. I've been hiking a few trails in Australia and I've hiked a lot in Europe and um, a friend of mine said like you really have to hike the Larapinta Trail. If you like hiking that's so spectacular, um, that's something you want to do. And my brother is now visiting in uh, his summer, our winter, and that's the best time to hike so I convinced him that we should do it together for a couple of days. All right. Um, what have you found um, as far as preparing for the trail? What, what were you, did you find any difficulties or did you find it fairly easy to, to prepare? And, and how did you decide what parts or, or what part of the trail to do? So the Lara Pinto website was pretty good in helping us decide. We only had four days, so we just looked at what's the most spectacular, best rated uh, sections, which are clearly sections four and five, which are both five stars on, uh, on how spectacular they look. So for us, it was a pretty easy decision to say, okay, that's what we're going to do. 
Uh, the problem with sections four and five is that you can do them in two days, um, but then you have to hike pretty hard, or you do them in four days, but then you have to hike pretty slowly. Um, so we decided to, to go for the second one, uh, just to have lots of time in the most beautiful scenery, rather than adding either three or six, which do not seem to be that, that brilliant. Um, so that really helped us. Uh, and for, for the rest, I think I've had quite some experience hiking here, so I just yeah, picked out all my gear and picked out my normal ratio of food and off we go. Was there, um, I mean, you've only been hiking since this morning, is it? Yeah. How have you found, um, have you found there's been anything you would have done differently, given that you've only just started, but is there any things you think, well, I shouldn't have done that or I should have done something different? No, I think for now it's, it's probably, as, as always, all the time schedules that you see online are, um, are, are relatively safely um, and, and we hike a bit faster. So I think we, we could have done it in, in one day rather than going for the, the slow option. So we, we might have had a different consideration on that one. Um, but no, I think for the rest it's fine, yeah. Have you got any idea how heavy your packs are that you're carrying? Yeah, so mine is 25, my brother's is 20. Um, but that's we, we're carrying double water today because we, we need double water. So uh, it would be three kilos lighter uh, with a, just a normal day of water. Right. Now, did you have all the gear with you? Uh, I mean, you're, you're, or did your brother have all the gear with him when he came over here? Or did no, you... so I have all the gear here. Uh, and for my brother, we borrowed from some friends here. Okay. Um, and... Um, I mean, what, what, are you, what, are you, what are you sort of expecting to see out of this? I mean, is there any, any, have you got any preconceptions or any ideas about what you, what you expect to see? Uh, no, the, the outback, yeah, the beautiful sunsets, uh, the beautiful sunrise uh, and, and the red soil of Australia. Now, how, how are you finding the views from, from Brinkley Bluff? Beautiful, yeah. So if you don't mind, I'm going to quickly get over to the sun because the sun is setting right now. Yep. Um... And tell me, how do you how do you find Australian trails to those in Europe? They're very very well maintained, and you get very little distraction. So in European trails, you cross a lot more other paths, um, and the paths are well maintained. But the trail can you can lose some of the trails. Whereas here, there's always only one one trail, one path, and all all around you is just bush. So it's really really easy to to hike. Yeah, so easy to navigate. Yeah, no, uh, you hardly need a map. Yeah, uh, you don't need a compass. You need, yeah, you basically need nothing. Uh, it's all right. Well, thank you for your time, and I hope yeah, you no enjoy worries. the rest of your trip. Absolutely. It was interesting to hear a European perspective on the trail. Uh, as uh, as he said, it's pretty hard to get lost on the Larapenta Trail, and you probably don't need a map and compass. However, should you need to get off the trail in a hurry or in an emergency, that's when you really need those sort of items. Our next and last interview is with Danielle, who actually lives in Alice Springs. And for her, this trip was the first time that she'd actually camped overnight um, on a multi-day hike. So she has a different perspective than the other hikers we've talked to so far. It's day 12, 12th of August. We're at um, uh, at Jay Creek. Uh, just had dinner, uh, just getting ready to go to bed for the night. Um, and I'm here... I've been I had a, a hiker coming the other direction from Alice Springs who's been happy to come and chat to me. So I'll just pass you over, and if you'd like to introduce your name, who, uh, your age, and where you're from. Hi, my name's Danielle. I'm 28 years old, and I'm from Alice Springs. Um, well, I'm living there anyway, um, and this is my first ever overnight hiking trip. Yeah, hey. 
<laughs> so you were saying you've done a, a few day hikes around the area before? Yes, I, I've done quite a few, um, but it doesn't prepare you for overnight trips with a bag, that's for sure. <laughs> so what, what, what's been different from the day trips to, to transitioning to a, an overnight trip for you? The weight of the bag was something to get used to. Your body changes how it walks when you have a weight that heavy. Um, so getting used to that and then also just getting used to food for that you've had to pack for several days. Definitely missing veggies. <laughs> <laughs> so what... Um You've been going, going what, four days now, you're saying? Yes, this is my fourth day. And you're stopping tomorrow at Stanley Chasm? Yes, that will be it for me for the moment. <laughs> okay. Uh, and what have, you, um, what have you found? What's, your, what's been your biggest learning experience? Uh, what to pack and how to pack it, definitely. I think I overpacked to start with, that's for sure. And how, have you found, have you, have you changed the way you've packed your bag from, from the first day? Yes. I'm pretty sure I've packed it differently every day. <laughs> I, think, I think you get there. You, you get to a stage where you work out where bits go and, and how things work and, and what, what, what works for you with a given pack. Yep. <laughs> um, what, what's the thing you should have brought that you didn't? Chocolate. Chocolate. <laughs> all right. And what's the thing that you bought where you was a waste of time or you haven't used at all? For Anything? me, it was my gaiters. Yep. I thought I would, but I haven't. And are you wearing long pants or shorts? No, or? I'm wearing shorts. Okay. I think you've been pretty lucky along this section. Certainly some of the other sections, long pants or gaiters are probably That's a good true. move. <laughs> all right. Um, so how have you found? Um, so have you have you have you camped before this time, or yes, but mostly just in the other um, areas where you're allowed dogs, so not on the national parks, um, and you can have open fires. So that was a bit of getting used to having to have a stove fire or stove to cook my dinner with. <laughs> and have you found that? Um um, have you found the, the actual park, the Larapinta Trail, different to the other trails you've been doing? Uh, as far as, you know, you're, apart from being a, an overnight trip, have you found it any different as far as the scenery or the, the walking track itself? I think that the scenery is much more amazing because not many people come out this way. Um, you don't have the hum of traffic or... Uh, doors slamming or things like that the isolation really offsets the scenery it makes it that much more special um i think the trail the trail is really good in itself so far um i've only done well this will be my third one tomorrow three sections um and it's a good trail i haven't lost my way yet <laughs> um and I think that most of the facilities are really good. You know, there is some information missing, but most of what you basically need is there. What, um, when you came out or when you decided to do the walk, did you decide to do it alone or were you trying to find someone to come with you? Or I did have a friend I wanted to do it with, but she couldn't because she's a mum and she couldn't take off this long from work, so... I decided I'd just do it by myself. <laughs> and how have you found uh, hiking by yourself? Um, fine. You chat to people along the way and I haven't felt scared, I guess. There's never been a moment I've felt scared or too isolated from anybody that I couldn't get help if I wanted it.
Okay, that's good. And I believe you're being picked up tomorrow afternoon or the the next day. Probably on... Sunday morning um, after I make it to Stanley and have a sleep. <laughs> All right. Okay, that's good. Thanks very much. Great. Thank you. Now, the four hikers we interviewed all had varying levels of experience, but what they did have in common was that they all enjoyed what they'd done on the trail so far. In our next episode, we're going to dove through and do our final roundup of the Larapinta Trail. We'll talk about a bit more of the logistics as far as how we found our planning and how things worked for us, uh, as well as um, the, uh, the issues that we did have and any problems that we needed to, uh, to overcome. I hope you enjoyed this uh, this series of interviews and we'll talk to you soon.